It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today coming up uh, in the third half of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk to um, the author of... Uh, an international legal thriller set in Japan with a tech lawyer and his super scientist client, both Japanese-Americans, with past relationship issues. Sounds like a fun story. It's called Bottled Lightning, and it's written by L.M. Weeks, or uh, Mark, as some people know him. And uh, he'll be joining us uh, by phone during the third half of our three-hour tour. Coming up in the middle... <clears throat> excuse me, in the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with um, a uh, history professor and author, William Forstgen. Um He has uh, a number of great books, including the uh, series uh, One Second After and Pillar to the Sky, uh, his latest book is, is kind of a novella called A Day of Wrath. And uh, pretty interesting stuff. Um, and and it, it, it has to do with uh, school shootings and what would happen if something, or even worse, if it was, if school shootings became part of a, a planned attack on the U.S. How crippling would that be? And what are the things that we might do to prevent school shootings from turning out as horribly as they often do? Anyway, uh, William Forschen or Bill will be uh, joining me in the middle of our three-hour tour. And uh, we're going to... Um, talk politics a little bit with a candidate, a Democrat, who's running for Michigan State House of Representatives from the 69th District, which is just northwest of Flint. He's been on the show uh, in the role of pundit uh, on a couple of occasions um, on Armchair Politics, once uh, introduced to me by uh, former Mayor Dane Walling. And then uh, once again, he... Um, he kind of volunteered. He sent me a note and said, you know, would you like me to sit in again on armchair politics, which I did, and I would have continued to have him on a fairly re regular basis. He was uh, working in the communications office for the state legislature at the time, 
and he would have been a great regular participant. But one of the rules of armchair politics is you can't be a candidate or an elected official um, to uh, sit in at the round table. And he up and declared he was running for the state house in the 69th district. His name is Jasper Martis. And he'll be joining me coming up in about a minute and 45 seconds. Um, but I will take this, uh, this last minute or so to tell you that uh, this is a holiday weekend. Be careful with fireworks and libations and driving and all of the things that go along with it. Monday is the 4th of July. And we're going to pay a special tribute on the 4th of July to a past guest on the show. He's been on the show at least two, maybe three times. The last time was for Martin Luther King's birthday in 2018. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Jefferson, and he turned 100 in November and passed away last month. Well, when he was on the show in 2018, he talked about his experiences as a member of the Tuskegee Airmen, and uh, getting shot down during World War II, being a prisoner of war, and a number of other great experiences, and he shares those. So we're going to pay tribute to him and, and really hear his life story kind of in his own words. And that's coming up Monday um, on the 4th of July. Seems kind of appropriate to uh, pay tribute to him, not only for him having turned 100 before he died, but uh, for his contribution and service to our country. So tune in for that Monday before you fire up the grill or start lighting fireworks or do whatever you do. In the meantime, we're going to talk local politics with Jasper Martis. Straight ahead. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, my my guest this hour has been on the show, uh, well, as a as a pundit, really, on uh, armchair politics uh, a couple of times, and he uh, disqualified himself for being on uh, <laughs> armchair politics by deciding to run for a political office. He uh, worked in the communications office for the state legislature, and now he's running for a seat in the state House of Representatives. He joins me by phone, Jasper Martis. Jasper, good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me back, Tom. I, uh, it's too bad I've been disqualified, but still happy that you're able to get me on, uh, you know, with loopholes <laughs> and all that. Well, you know, it, it's you're on in a different capacity now. Right. Um and and the reason is is because a lot of times uh candidates and and elected officials um have to be too careful about what they say <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and as pundits we don't so <laughs> yes so anyway um but let's let's talk about that let's first of all um what got you interested in politics and or government to begin with? Yeah, so from a a very young age, uh, I was raised by two remarkable parents who taught my brother and I that uh, whatever you do, wherever you are, 
uh, try to use the gifts God has given you to help others. And I come from a long line of family that have uh, pursued a lot of different career paths, whether they've been teachers or union leaders or uh, activists in some capacity. And for me, that was always through government work. I uh, became interested in it at a very young age. Uh, When I was 16, Congressman Kildee uh, really became a mentor to me, showed me uh, uh, a lot of what politics I have to interrupt here. I have to interrupt, Jasper. Which Congressman Kildee? Uh, uh, Congressman Dan Kildee, yes. That, uh, sometimes when I'm knocking on doors and I say I work for Congressman Kildee, they've got to ask which one. So, uh, Dan, uh, it feels, you know, having worked for him for years and years, it still feels weird to refer to him by his first name. But Dan was who I worked for, and he really took me under his wing and, and showed me the, the good that politics can do, especially when you have good leaders in government. So that's kind of how I got interested in politics at the uh, 10,000 feet looking down level, but what piqued my interest in, in running for this position in particular was uh, I was working at the State House in Lansing, loved the job, loved the folks I was working with, and uh, I really saw that it makes a difference when a community has an advocate in the room. And uh, because of redistricting, it's an all-new seat. Uh, Much of it was previously represented by John Cherry, but he's run into a place, Senator Annanix. So uh, I started to sit down with folks and ask them a simple question of, is it possible, and then will you help me? And uh, having worked at the State House and seeing the difference it makes when a community has an advocate in the room, uh, I think it's very important for Genesee County to have that kind of advocate. What kind of responses of did you get? A lot of yeses to the first and a lot of noes to the second? <laughs> I, so, so that's something, uh, it, it may surprise you, uh, given the uh, way that a lot of politicians act, but I think when you're considering running for politics or running for office, you have to take your ego out of it. Because I had to go to a lot of different folks and just ask them, you know, is it possible? I thought I knew in my heart the answer, but I needed uh, that validation and that assistance from other people. And I sat down with folks like Senator Ananick, and he said, yes, absolutely, and I'll support you. The same with Representative Tim Sneller, Commissioner Dom Clements, a lot of union leaders, community activists, and uh, real movers and shakers in Genesee County. And I was uh, quite frankly shocked because I, I, I went into each meeting ready to be told, hey, there's this person in line or that person you got to watch out for. And I really didn't get that response, so it kind of went from a, um, a, the what you could call the discerning process of figuring out if it's possible, and then there was the realization a little bit after Christmas time that, oh my God, it is possible, and I need to do this. I had a friend of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, approach me one time, and he said, "I'm thinking about running for something. What do you think I should run for?" And I said, "The hills." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And he said, I think your what he said, I think my wife would appreciate that answer. Yeah. <laughs> um but but it's it's one thing to approach professionals like Dan Kildee and Jim Ananick and Tim Sneller and people who've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. But what about your friends and family? Do they yeah. do they think you're a little bit nuts to want to do that <laughs> when they look around and see some of the chaos going on in the in the world of public service these days? Well, they think uh, I'm nuts for other reasons, but uh, <laughs> that was a, a huge consideration. And, uh, you know, I had to have those conversations with my family. Um, you know, something uh, that I joke about is when I, uh, 
from when I started this campaign to now, I've lost 16 pounds and a relationship because that's uh, uh, unfortunately the dedication and hard work and the amount of hours it takes to actually be able to run and, and God willing to be able to win. So uh, I, I'm very thankful for my parents. They get out on doors for me a couple of days a week and have really been helpful in that way. But from uh, just a moral support uh, standpoint that uh, they knew that they were going to have to put up with people saying mean things about their kid or for my brother, people <laughs> saying mean things about my uh, or his brother, uh, that my friends were going to have to be put under a different um microscope and uh there was going to be a lot more uh, criticism and and maybe mudslinging but uh number one i'm thankful that our campaign so far has been relatively positive and, and people have been nicer than you think uh but number two i think that that amount of dedication and that amount of sacrifice that's uh it comes with the territory i want to ask you about the seat and and about the number of people running and so on because mm -hmm. um in a couple of different ways it's an open seat as they mm -hmm. say um but i have to ask about the relationship i hope the relationship you lost wasn't a serious romantic relationship it, well it was but she still supports me thankfully but uh you know that <laughs> is just kind of what happens i miss her dog a lot her dog was very nice but uh and she was too of course but that's kind of uh was this you know, over this a, was this over um uh politics or just the lifestyle change see see you were saying that uh if i was coming in as a uh as a pundit i wouldn't be getting real but here we go uh you know it was it was the latter i mean she's interested in a career in politics as well but uh, when you run for office, it's seven days a week and twice on Sunday. I, I knock doors eight hours a day. And before that, I'm making phone calls for two to four hours. So the amount of time and energy that this takes, it's not just showing up to uh, occasional uh, spaghetti dinners and giving speeches. This is, uh, you know, walking 10 miles a day. Uh, it doesn't I started in uh, I started March 4th uh, when it was snowing and below zero and now it's 90 degrees so you are out there in the elements you are out there uh, for the most part talking to nice people but sometimes getting yelled at and just putting your entire heart and soul into it and I'm not a half measures person uh, that applies to my campaign that I'm either going to do this with every uh, ounce of my being or I'm not going to do it at all and that applies to other things as well when you're not able to um, dedicate the, the time and energy to uh, other folks that, uh, you know, in a way that they deserve. Well, I, you know, I, and and I'm sorry to get so personal with you oh, about okay. this, but when you said I've lost a relationship, I, I was thinking more like a Facebook friend because I didn't no. agree with your <laughs> politics or something. I certainly yeah. didn't mean to pour any salt in the wound. Let's, oh, you're okay. Let's talk okay. about the... Um, uh, let's well, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not apologizing for asking the question. I it just wasn't what I was expecting, and I might not have gone there had had <laughs> I known the backstory on it. But yeah. I but I think these things are just as important as as qualifications and other things. More with Democratic candidate for the 69th district state house seat, Jasper Martis. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. Our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Democratic candidate for the 69th District State House seat, Jasper Martis, straight ahead. Tell me which district it is, and and what's it called now? <laughs> yeah, so it's the, <laughs> it's the new 69th District, and broadly speaking, it's northwest Genesee County, uh, but more specifically, it's uh, Flushing, Flushing Township, uh, Mount Morris Township, Clio, Montrose, Montrose Township, Clayton Township, most of Flint Township, and about half of Swartz Creek. And none of Flint. Correct. Because the way that the new districts have been drawn, it's been drawn in such a way that I think there's one state house seat that includes all of Flint. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so the previous 49th that John Sherry represented, uh, that included a slice of Flint, but the the new, I believe it's the 70th or 71st, uh, has now absorbed that portion of it. Um, with the numbers going up like that, does that mean there are several more uh, state house districts with the, the new lines that have been drawn? Or is it just that the districts drawn in this area mm-hmm. ended up being the higher numbers? So uh, at the Michigan level, we will still have 110 members of the state house. But Michigan, and this is you know partially what motivated me to, to run Genesee County is le- losing people and it, it's losing a voice in Lansing. So uh, in 2020, uh, there were four members of the state house from Genesee County who were Democrats, and I believe two that were Republicans. Uh, after Cheryl Kennedy lost, that number of Democrats from Genesee County went down to three uh, because of redistricting and the way that's going and, and Tim Sneller being term limited. There will only be two members of the state house from Genesee County in solidly Democratic districts. That will be the Flint District, which Cynthia Neely will represent, and the district that I'm running in. And so uh, a big theme of our campaign is trying to reverse the trend we've lived through of of factories shutting down, of folks moving away, and and families being broken up. And that hits at a personal level. That's when you, you, you watch the folks that you grew up with move away and go to other places. But it also comes down to... Um, uh, the diminished voice that Genesee County has its state in state politics, that just a few years ago we had a lot more seats and a lot more Democratic representation. Now we're not only losing Democratic voices, we're losing Genesee County's voice in general. So that's kind of where redistricting uh, sits at the, the broad level, that we still have 110 seats. A lot of them have become more competitive. But here in Genesee County, we're, we're losing... We're losing our voice, and that's what matters about. That's what matters when it comes to the the bills and the legislation and everything that goes on in Lansing. Is making sure our community has a strong voice. Um, usually, when there's uh, an open seat or a seat that doesn't have an incumbent running mm-hmm. in it, <clears throat> excuse me, that means a lot of people are going to run well it Mm -hmm. usually means a lot of people are going to run how many Mm -hmm. candidates are there do you have a primary are there other democrats running for the seat yeah yeah so there are um there will there will be including myself three names on the ballot for the democratic primary and on the republican side just one individual um and that's kind of i was actually quite surprised and that's why i spent a few months just sitting down and having those uh you know clandestine conversations of 
trying to make sure that there wasn't going to be a big name or a large, uh, uh, large influential person that was going to get involved in my primary. Um, that, and if that had been the case, if somebody with a, a huge name and a long track record would have gotten in, uh, I would have stayed as far away from that as possible. But uh, after, even after I announced, I was counting down the, the days until the filing deadline to make sure that uh, nobody else got in. And right now it's a three-person race, and um, we, we feel good about where we are. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> of course, that... Um that's in the primary coming up, uh, what, August 2nd? Yep, it? yep, 35 days. <laughs> but who's counting, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, my guest is uh, Jasper Martis. He is a candidate for the 69th district uh, seat in the Michigan House of Representatives. Um, Jasper, what are the things that you personally want to tackle yeah. Once elected, do you have a, a a list for day one? Yeah, the the big thing I'm focused on is, is having having worked in the state house. I've seen what it, what a difference it makes for a community like ours to have a voice in the room, an advocate in the room, and uh, the ARPA package and the infrastructure package that were passed in D.C. are still sending tens of billions of dollars to Lansing uh, with five years to spend it. And to me, the question isn't are they going to spend it. It's where and how. And I want to make sure that those funds are getting back to Genesee County and getting back to our community. I've seen it happen before where there have been uh, folks in Lansing who, uh, just by being present in the room, are able to get, uh, in the last budget, there was a, a gentleman that I knew who uh, represented a, a district in the metro Detroit area. and He was able to get uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to replace uh, certain trees in his district. And I have nothing against that district and nothing against trees, but I'd like to see those sorts of funds being more brought to Genesee County. And so a lot of the issues that we talk about on doors and the issues I care about, whether it's rebuilding our infrastructure, creating good paying jobs, uh, investing in our education system, uh, a lot of times folks would counter with, that's all well and good, but how are we going to pay for it? But we have these funds from ARPA and from the infrastructure package, and, and I think that uh, what underpins a lot of these plans that we have are making sure that those are spent in an effective and efficient way and primarily spent in communities like ours that really need uh, not just the resources but the respect of having an advocate in the room. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit because some of the things what happens is, and and it happens in government, it happens in nonprofit organizations. All of a sudden, there's a pot of money, and mm-hmm. if you've got a twenty-five member board, mm-hmm. you're going to have twenty-five different ways to spend that money. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you ensure that the money that's being spent is going to have a long-range effect? and not yeah. just do a bunch of feel-good-right-now stuff. Yeah, well, so I, uh, I've i talked to nearly 12,000 people from knocking on doors and making phone calls. And, and what I tell folks is it's, it's not just about um, earning your vote, it's about learning your story. And when I talk to folks, uh, whether they're social workers, they're teachers, um, folks in the construction industry and so forth, I like to talk to them about uh, when the previous pa- uh, funds came in from the pandemic relief, a lot of programs got funding that really made a, a tangible difference in people's eyes. And right now we're seeing 
some of those funds start to dwindle, diminish, and go away. So I like to hear from folks of, of what are the projects and the um, programs that they work on and they deal with in their day-to-day lives that really make a difference for folks and trying to, you know, I, I, when I'm knocking down doors, I don't just have my literature. I have a notepad and I take notes of these are the programs that are really helping folks that are struggling to get food on the table for their kids, or this is a, a program that's really helped, um, uh, homeless folks in this certain area and kind of getting an understanding at the grassroots level of what are the programs that are really making a difference in people's lives to make sure that those are the ones that are going to be benefiting from the funding and not just some sort of, as you said, feel good projects that uh, look good in the moment, but aren't really having that longer term impact. Well, one of the problems that that I see, Jasper, and I wonder what Mm -hmm. your thoughts are when you talk about feeding people, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that fish adage comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, and, and I'm thinking when we got, uh, stimulus checks, mm-hmm. um, I got a check for $1,200. I spent it fairly quickly, mm-hmm. which is part of what it was in, you know, intended for. It was mm-hmm. supposed to get a lot of people to spend money fairly quickly, but then it was gone. Mm-hmm. And if that $1,200 had fixed a pothole out in front of my house, that pothole might stay fixed for 10 years or more. And so I I guess I'm I'm a little bit concerned that elected officials, yeah, it's, you know, people appreciate it if you feed them. But if, you know, we we have revenue that comes in all the time. Mm-hmm. This money you're talking about comes in once. Right. And if we, you know, if if we have a banquet in a year, it's the money's gone, the food is gone, and then what? Yeah, and I really like how you, you differentiated between we've got money that comes in all the time and then we've got these one-time investments. And that's why I think this racism is so important, and that's why I think getting getting this right is so important. This is a, a once-in-a-generation a opportunity. Uh, and I think the best way to take that kind of uh, longer-term look at these sorts of policies, big thing I'm focused on is uh, investing in job training programs. Uh, at the uh, high school level, I think we've done a good job of opening up access to dual enrollment programs where kids that want to go to college are able to start taking college classes at an early level. Uh, they go into college uh, being able to graduate early. That sets them up nice and saves them money. Uh, I know I benefited from that. I'd like to see more investments and focus on uh, skilled trades to make sure that uh, folks that don't want to go to college and they want to start working earlier, are able to start those apprenticeship programs earlier. And there's a lot of great unions, the Leuna, IBEW, and a lot of other great unions that have those programs set and ready to go. And this sounds like a scam, but it really isn't. You make money while you're learning the trade. That's a really good deal and something that a lot of folks would benefit from. But I think we need to work with them to make sure that they're able to get into the schools uh, and start that job training earlier. Uh, and secondly, I think the job training more generally, um, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at or how old you are. I think that some of these programs that we've seen work at the small scale level just need to be expanded because we have had a lot of folks who have been 
put out of work because of automation, factory shutting down, and so forth. And kind of with the fish analogy of do you just feed them or do you train them, uh, I think that we have an opportunity to train folks. And that's something where it's taking the longer-term view. I think another thing as well in terms of making sure it's not just a a one-time thing is uh, rethinking the way that we talk about infrastructure uh, because of extreme weather and a lot of other problems. Uh, a road that used to be fine for 10 years is now only going to be fine for eight or seven years, and that's just going to continue to be a problem. So uh, when we're investing in infrastructure, whether it's roads or water systems, uh, making sure it's done in a resilient way uh, that will strengthen it for longer, and that's going to be upkeep. So making sure that uh, we're not just doing a one-time hiring construction workers to build this road or water system, but we're keeping them on for maintenance, for upkeep, and continuing to uh, make sure that these don't fall apart. So those are, uh, you know, job training at the high school level, job training no matter what stage of life you're at, and then the kind of uh, uh, more new perspective on infrastructure are a few of the ways that I think we can make sure that these are uh, longer-term investments that we're benefiting from and not just feeling good in the moment. Well, yeah, that's something I've been concerned about. We talk about it uh, quite often on armchair politics because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people at the state level and also people in uh, municipalities and and townships and villages are looking at the money that's coming their way and trying to decide Mm -hmm. how to spend it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times this idea of just balancing you know, this year's deficit is Mm -hmm. not really the way to go. You know, we need Mm -hmm. to look at things that are longer term. And so, you know, that's that's something I I think people are watching and and that they should be concerned about. Yeah, and that's where I think it's important for um, having worked for, you know, a lot of amazing folks like Congressman Kilvey and others. I've learned that the way a candidate runs a campaign tells you a lot about how uh, they will serve in office. And uh, as I said, I knock doors seven days a week and twice on Sunday. I've lost 16 pounds, and I'm just going to keep keep going until until August 2nd, and, and after that, continuing to go on. And um, the reason why I do that is because you get to talk to folks and really learn what's on their mind. It's not just a, hey, will you vote for me? It's tell me about your family. Tell me what you do for a living. You know, how, how could Michigan be doing better for you? And, and, and you learn sometimes about those specific programs if you're talking to a teacher or social worker. But oftentimes you just get to learn from folks about uh, where their priorities are. I've been knocking doors so long that there was a, there was a couple in Flushing that I, I knocked on their door in March. And when the woman answered the door, she was uh, pretty far into her pregnancy. And uh, just last week, as I've been making my second pass, I knocked on her door again, and she answered with her newborn baby. And when I talked to her in March, she was telling me about what kind of world is her daughter going to be born into? What is that going to look like? And then a few months later, being able to meet her daughter, um, those are the things that will stay with you, uh, God willing, if I'm able to get elected. And it makes you want to fight even harder because the folks I'm trying to represent, it's not just a certain number of people in this municipality and that municipality. They're my neighbors. They're the folks that I've, I've gotten to know with, that, I, that I've prayed with, that I've, I've learned their stories, and that's what will motivate me to work even harder on behalf of them, because I know them. So many people have lost faith and trust mm-hmm. in elected officials, 
um, you know, agency uh, appointees and, and regulators, mm-hmm. even even their faith-based organizations and the world of science. They just don't mm-hmm. trust anybody. How do you get that back? What That's do, a good question. What do you yep. do to get people to say, well, you know, um, most... Uh, most politicians are, you know, liars and crooks, except yeah. for Jasper. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I get that question asked a lot, especially when I'm on doors. And uh, I, I think that anger comes from a legitimate place. There's a reason why, you know, in 1964, Gallup did a poll and 81% of Americans had trust in the federal government. And in 2019, that number was something around 17 or 18 percent. You look at folks turning away from religion, turning away from institutions, and and people have legitimate grievances because, uh, you know, I'm running in an area that has, uh, they've lost job opportunities, they've lost resources, they've watched uh, as other communities have gotten record investments and new um, opportunities. Uh, We've been left uh, in many cases uh, by the wayside. And I, I th- that doesn't change overnight. It doesn't change in a single instance. But uh, I think that starts with the kind of campaign that we're running. Of Most folks that I talk to, they've never had somebody running for office knock on their door before. And I don't show up there to, to just shove a piece of literature in their uh, face and run off to the next house. I, I try to listen to them. Um, I think a, a big part of the campaign that has been so moving for me is um, my family's been in Genesee County and in the district that I'm running for over a century. So when I knock on people's doors, oftentimes I'm I'm not introducing myself. I, I'm finding out where we are connected. You know, my, my grandpa taught at Hamity for 42 years. So when I'm knocking in the Hamity School District, they know my grandpa. Or when I'm knocking in Flushing, my hometown and where my parents grew up, they, they know my parents. Uh, one of the really moving stories for me was uh, I knocked on a gentleman's door in Flushing Township a few months ago, and uh, when he looked at the literature, he said, Mardis. I said, yeah, uh, maybe he had my grandpa as a teacher. He said, no, that's not it. I said, well, I had a cousin, Ryan Mardis, who uh, was a police officer and lost his life a number of years ago. He said, that's not it either. He said, uh, my second-grade teacher was Miriam Mardis. Uh, I never got to know my grandma. She passed away before I was born, but I've always been told I have the same eyes as her, I have the same interests as her, and and that she would be proud. And uh, I asked this this guy, Kofi, I said, can you tell me about my grandma? And he said, well, she always stayed after school for kids like me uh, who who, uh, needed extra help, that uh, was always there for the folks that were having a hard day. And he said that at 40 years old, he is a He's a, 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 a writer now because my grandma encouraged him to be a writer. And I never got to know my grandma. I never uh, got to meet her. Uh, but her legacy is living on in, in those sorts of folks that I get to meet. And so when it comes to folks losing trust in politics more broadly, uh, that's a longer-term battle. But my hope is for folks that uh, may be skeptical of politicians for very valid reasons, uh, when I show up at their doorstep or when I give them a call, uh, you're not just electing me because I, I uh, 
I have uh, the fanciest piece of literature or anything like that. It's because they know me, they know where I come from, and they know that I'm going to fight for that community I come from. So there, there's a lot of other things we have to tackle with the lack of faith in institutions. And I think that starts with making sure we have a government that delivers for the working class and for hardworking families that for too long have been uh, shut out of the political process. They've been talked down to and demonized. Uh, that's at a broad level, but more specifically with my candidacy and my campaign, uh, I try to, when I'm talking to folks and more importantly, listen to them, uh, finding those commonalities, finding those roots, because you're not just electing this random person, you're electing your neighbor, you're electing your friend, and you're electing a member of our community. Well, most people are thinking about those two politicians that are yelling at each other, and one says, mm-hmm. uh, are you lying to me? And the other one mm-hmm. says, yeah, but hear me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jasper, we're we're just about out of time, <clears throat> and I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your Absolutely. campaign. Um, do you have a website you'd like to share or, or some other yes. resources? Yeah, we have uh, www.jaspermartis.com. That's J-A-S-P-E-R-M-A-R-T-U-S. Uh, and it's the same name for Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and, and one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is when politicians go crooked or corrupt, it's because they're not uh, held accountable. Uh, my personal cell phone number is 810 Five three two four. It's printed on every piece of literature. It's the sign off for every email I send, and I do that because if you ever need help, if you ever need anything, that's the kind of elected official that I want to be. That you can call me anytime, any day, and in whatever way that I can help, I want to be there. Well, no wonder she left you if you're going to be on the phone <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> giving out my phone number too often. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if everybody's got your phone number. Um, <laughs> Jasper, I appreciate you spending this time with me, and I wish you uh, all the best luck. I, I applaud anyone who's willing to roll up their sleeves and, and try to make things better and make things different. So by all means, good luck. Well, thank you, Tom. And, you know, I've been a guest over the years on your program, and I feel like being able to have those conversations about not just politics at the local level, about how politics is impacting people at the local level. Uh, I feel like I've really grown uh, because of that, and I just want to say thank you for those opportunities. Oh, my my pleasure. I just wish more people would take a, a more civilized approach to talking about their differences. Absolutely. Anyway, um, with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The following is a public service announcement.
Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? Mm. It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's pure Michigan. 
friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. A master of Native American humor is Brooks Hayes of Arkansas, special assistant to the president and former representative in Congress. Here is Mr. Hayes before the Pennsylvania Political Science and Public Administration Association. I always feel at home with the teachers of government, although I'm not an expert in this field, I am a practitioner. I'm not afraid of experts. I um, was sitting by uh, a couple in Washington at a dinner party one night when the man who had just met the lady said to her, and you're Mrs. Post? And she said, yes. Mrs. Emily Post? And she said, yes. Well, Mrs. Post, you're eating my salad. (laughs) And, uh... father was uh, himself a country school teacher, and in this connection, I think you'd be interested in what happened when he took the census in 1900, uh, asked an old man standing in front of his cabin in this uh, frontier country uh, his name. He said, I'm the enumerator, sir, and I need some information. What is your name? He said, Hearn, Randall J. Hearn. Father said, how do you spell it? Spell it yourself, stranger. I'm a non-scholar. <laughs> So, uh, uh, this, uh, uh, this character, Randall J. Hearn, is not a fictional character. He is not legendary, as some members of Congress believe, because sometimes I would quote him in the Foreign Affairs Committee, and occasionally my chairman, Mr. Richards of South Carolina, would turn to me and say, what would Randall Hearn's opinion be on this proposition? And I knew he meant by that, what would, uh, what would the man at the grassroots think? What uh, would the non-scholar have to say about this problem? One of my Republican friends complained over the method adopted by the Democrats in a certain reapportioning problem, and uh, he was rather violent about it. He said, you Democrats are just not fair. Well, I said, looking at some of the things the Republicans do, I would say, you remind me of the country boys playing cards down in Arkansas. He looked over at his friend. He said, play it. He said, play the cards fair, Reuben. I know what I dealt you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, sometimes it is possible for a politician to extricate himself from political pressures as uh, Claude Swanson said with his famous five rules, uh, the first rule being, when in doubt, do right. <laughs> uh, you might be
be interested, incidentally, in those other four rules. I believe I can recall them. He said, uh, first, never buy your ticket till you hear the train whistle. Uh, second, always be strong for something nobody can be against. Uh, then the third one I've indicated. Fourth, never use one word if five will do. Finally, always stick to your party. If the storm comes and uh, the vessel threatens to sink, move the ballast and try to save her. But if she sinks, follow the rats. <laughs> I rejoice in the trend these days, seeing an academician often leave his cloisters to enter the political arena. That's good. And uh, I think of some very notable careers that have come out of that response that you uh, sometimes make to the, the lure that is always present. But the little lady in England was asked, you know, who did you vote for? And she said, vote? Oh, I never vote. It only encourages them. <laughs> then... Um, because you believe in, uh, in precision and in uh, a scientific evaluation of party positions, you do not agree with the little lady who said when she was asked about the difference between the Tories and the liberals, oh, she said the only difference is that the Tories think they're better born and the liberals just know they're born better. <laughs> And I think the book could be written on what the uh, sweet little ladies uh, in England say about politics, uh, or even in, uh, in Arkansas, because you may have heard the story of uh, the little lady who was voting for the first time when women were given suffrage, and she rode to the polls with her son, who could see she was quite agitated over the prospect of participating in this great experiment in government, government by consent of the governed, and that she went in to vote that attitude of eagerness and anticipation was registered on her countenance. But when she came out and got in the car, it was obvious that she was disappointed. She was very solemn and grave. And as uh, they went home, he said, Mother, who did you vote for? She said, Son, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I looked at the ballot, and there were the names of such good men listed for these offices, such good men, um, such uh, fine, noble people. I just didn't have it in my heart to vote against any of them. I just wrote at the bottom of the ballot, God bless you all. <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 